Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravel, and this is Value Side for Friday, October 27. Well, last week while appearing on CBS, President Joe Biden declared that we're the United States of America, for God's sake, the most powerful nation in history. Well, that's quite a statement by our president. Let's talk about it. Well, the most powerful nation in history. Quite a statement from President Biden, reflected by nearly every media outlet in the country. While speaking directly of Ukraine and Israel, implicit in almost everything President Biden says these days is the implication that no foe, especially not Russia or China, could match our power and might. However reassuring that might be, it does not comport with reality, at least not the fact as reported by the Congressional Commission on the Strategic Posture of the United States. Now, in their final report, published earlier this month, the Commission contradicts almost all of the basic tenets we read about in the mass media. And chief among these assertions is the claim that Russia and China are not united in opposing the United States globally. The Commission reports that these two superpowers are allied for the first time, and that they would, no doubt, unite to oppose a common foe, a foe like the United States of America. Yet almost all the major American publications, including the Washington Post, New York Times, Bloomberg, and Foreign Affairs magazine, try to deny that there is a genuine Russian-Chinese alliance a claim that this administration regrettably also reinforces. So if you obtain most of your information about geopolitics from the significant media, don't be surprised if you run into some shocking conclusions in the report we're going to discuss today. I encourage you to download a copy of this report, and you can find it on our website. Now as background... Since the Chinese Communist Party came to rule the world's most populous country in 1949, it's been the policy of the United States to keep China and Russia apart. As Colonel Douglas McGregor likes to say, it was an effort to maintain an economy of enemies. (laughs) It was much better to deal with these two superpowers separately. Indeed, the United States military could have defeated either power alone up through the last century. Now, for most of the 20th century, America was thriving. Well, there was a long-standing distrust between Chinese and Russians, which the U.S. encouraged. That prohibited the two countries from ever joining forces. In fact, there were so many ill feelings that a border war raged between them during much of the 1960s. And that was considered good news from America's perspective. Bitter feelings existed between the two countries throughout the history of the Soviet Union. Then, ironically, as Russia transitioned from communist, like China, to today's semi-presidential federation, the relationship between the two began to thaw. Vladimir Putin has cultivated a strong relationship with China throughout his leadership. The two have established a warm working relationships based on recent extensive meetings between Chinese leader Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. Putin has led the new Russian Federation for 11 years, and for nine of those years, he has faced one implacable foe, the United States, and specifically Joe Biden. 
When Russia annexed Crimea after the failure of the Minsk Agreement, it was Biden who slapped the first set of sanctions on Russia as point man, a position given him by President Obama. Surrounded by some of the same advisors who continue to be in today's White House, Anthony Blinken and Victoria Nuland most notably, Biden has been the face of opposition to Russia. Now, coincidentally, in 2013, China made an overture to increase trade with Russia, but the Russians demurred. All that changed the very next year, in 2014, when the U.S.-led sanctions began. Russia now actively pursued enhanced trade and finances with China to blunt the impact of those American-European restrictions. By 2019, this emerging trade between Russia and China prompted Liam Carson, an economist at Capital Economics, to observe, quote, Policymakers in both countries have actively tried to strengthen trade tides in recent years, and it's no coincidence that this surge in Russia-China trade has come as the same time that the United States has tightened sanctions on Russia and concerns about the U.S.-China trade war have intensified. Unquote. Now, eight years later, when Russia invaded Ukraine, both sides returned to their same playbook, the U.S. with economic sanctions and Russia drawing closer to China. And that's the point that this administration ignores. Far from being isolated and alone, Russia has been able to turn to the other half of the world for support. On March 11, 2022, speaking from the White House, President Biden outlined his goals and objectives for a series of sanctions and export controls designed, in his words, to, quote, crush the Russian economy. Using the power and influence of the American government, Biden would move to cut off Russian bank access to international finance. He would also appropriate particular Russian banks and private assets. To date, America has seized a handful of Russian oligarch mega-yachts, and at least $300 billion in Russian bank reserves held in the U.S. Additionally, Biden cut off all Russian oil and gas exports to the United States. In that March 11th speech, Biden was able to claim, quote, the totality of our sanctions and export controls is crushing the Russian economy. The American people are united the world is united, and we stand with the people of Ukraine. We will not let autocrats and would-be emperors dictate the direction of the world. Democracies are rising to meet this moment, rallying the world to the side of peace and the side of security. Unquote President Biden. And indeed, Russia did suffer from the overwhelming sanctions instituted chiefly by the United States and supported by the European Union. For four consecutive quarters, Russia experienced negative economic growth. It was a sure sign that Russia was in a significant recession. However, by the second quarter of 2023, the Russian economy had recovered entirely, reporting a 4.9% GDP growth rate. This matched the United States as the top growing economies among the G20. What had changed? Simply put, the other half of the world came to Russia's side. In addition to China, this has included most of the BRICS nations. India, for one, has become a significant importer of Russian oil, which it 
in turn refines and sells to other countries that may not wish to trade with Russia. Saudi Arabia, the originator of the petrodollar, has completely reversed course in the light of U.S. sanctions and now appears poised to sell its petroleum products in its currency. And China continues to purchase more Russian agricultural products. Russia looked to dodge the U.S. sanctions by looking to the global south, which has been more than willing to assist. Now, to borrow from the sentiment of the committee's report, since the end of World War II, it has been the objective of the United States to build a community of nations, nations that share a common set of values, a reliance upon free markets, human rights, and self-determination, a goal the collective West and America achieved in 1992 with the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Soviet Union. However, that brief Pax Americana ended with the Ukraine war. Russia's military aggression and the economic-political aggression of the United States have split the world into two opposing camps, the Global South, exemplified by the BRICS nations, and the Collective West, consisting of the old British Empire countries, the European Union, and the United States. It is not clear which side of this divide will ultimately prevail, but what is unavoidable, as the Congressional report makes clear, is that there is no longer just one military superpower. For the first time, the United States faces not one but two nuclear powers that are nearly equal to the U.S. And what's more, together they likely outdistance the current capabilities of America. America faces a very uncertain future. And that's the value side for Friday, October 27. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Ravel. ValueSide is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own.